this morning, I want to start with a story. Some of you may have heard this story. It's a story about a man named Edward Spencer. Edward Spencer was a young seminary student, lived in the Lake Michigan area. And to put it in perspective, this story begins on September 7th, 1860, which was, uh, those of you that know history, it was a little over seven months before the beginning of the American Civil War. He was on the shore of Lake Michigan and he saw a ship wreck. And it, it was a passenger ship. It was carrying over 300 people, including passengers and crew. It was a cold time of year. In fact, it was struck by something when they were on a sightseeing tour. They were doing a sightseeing tour from Milwaukee to Chicago when the ship just completely broke apart. This young man was a very strong swimmer. He had trained. Anybody that's been to one of the Great Lakes, you know, it's, it's actually more, they're more like oceans sometimes in terms of the waves and the, the roughness of the water. No problem. Edward Spencer, good swimmer, tied a rope to himself, just dove into the water and started crashing through waves, just dragging people from the wreckage. And he saved one person. He brought it back. He was freezing. He dove back in. He saved another person. He just kept going back and forth. All along the way, he's getting just pelted and pummeled by the wreckage from the ship. He's swallowing water. His body's uh, at the point of exhaustion. He ends up saving 17 people from this wreckage. Everyone else died. And here's What's crazy about what happened to Edward, because of that night, because of the numerous injuries that he received that night, because of the damage it did to his body, he, was, he had to drop out of seminary. He never was able to become a pastor. In fact, he became confined to a wheelchair the remainder of his life. And towards the end of his life, uh, his, his uh, heroism and bravery was recognized by many people. But one reporter said this, and I quote, she said, what stood out to you most about this life-changing experience? And this was his reply. Only this of the 17 people I saved, not one of them ever thanked me. How tragic. We look at a story like that, we recognize the, the gross embarrassing display of ungratefulness there, don't we? And oftentimes when we think about being thankful for people, we should always be thankful for people who have sacrificed something for us, who have invested something in us, who have tried to contribute in some way to our life, even if it was in a a momentary distress situation, you've never seen that person again. There's so many people like that to be thankful for. But do we always do that? You know, that's the, that's the question. We should be, and we recognize these kind of levels of ungratefulness. I'm reminded of another story uh, of a pastor who was getting ready to preach on Thanksgiving. And as he's thinking about what he's preaching on, he, he started to say, you know, I should, I should be thankful for the people in my life that have made an influence on me. And he began to kind of go through his Rolodex, and he remembered his old English teacher. And she had instilled in him, even though he was probably a little punk kid, like a lot of teenage boys are in class, this love for literature, this love for poetry, which he was still utilizing and writing his sermons and writing notes to people. I thought, you know, I'm going to write her a letter and just tell her how much I appreciate her. And within a few days, he gets a letter back in the mail from her. And this is what it read. Dear Willie, I can't tell you how much your note meant to me. I'm in my 80s, living alone in a small room, cooking my own meals, lonely. You'll be interested to know that I taught in school for more than 50 years. And yours is the first note of appreciation I ever received. She says, it came on a blue, a cold morning, and it cheered me as nothing has done in many years. Again, how tragic is this? This lady having this impact probably on many students, but never getting that word of thanks. It's interesting. It's real easy for us to connect the dots on those kind of people. 
Oh yeah, they, they made an impact. They were a blessing to me. I should be thankful for them. Oftentimes we don't do it, but we realize that that's probably something good that we should engage in. Here's my question this morning. What about those people who have only caused us harm, pain, grief, and trouble? What about those people? Should we be thankful for them as well? In fact, we're going to look at a passage this morning this is one of those times, it's kind of, I, I, joke, I jokingly say this, this is one of those times you want to, when you get to heaven, you just want to punch Paul in the face for writing this, or punch, punch James in the face for writing James 1-2, count it all joy when you fall into various trials and temptations, kind of joking, all joking aside, but Paul actually writes this in 1 Timothy 2, and so I want you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2 this morning. And I want to show you, as Paul writes, that we can be thankful for all men, yes, including those who were not good to us, who didn't have our best in mind. This is what Paul is going to teach here. And because of the way the passage breaks down, it actually breaks down real simply. He's going to give that exhortation to do it, and then he's going to give you two reasons why you should do it. I think he hopes that those two reasons will motivate us to do it, to exercise and to follow through on this exhortation. But before I do, I have to tell a funny story. I, I, as I was looking for illustrations, I just came across this funny story. There's always things you can be thankful for. And I think we realize that. There, as you look through life, depending on how you look, there's always things you can be thankful for. But I thought this was a very funny story. There were two men passing through a field in the country. They were just trying to cut across the field, take a shortcut. And they came face to face with an enraged bull. Nothing they could do could calm this bull down. And so they just take off running for the nearest fence. And they start doing calculations. They realize on their run, we're going to run out of gas. This bull's going to catch us. We're not going to be able to get away. One guy says to the other one, Johnny, throw up a prayer. And Johnny says, I've never prayed in my life. I don't even know what to say. He's like, just say anything. Just pray whatever you know. And Johnny said, okay, the only prayer I know is the one my dad said before dinner. He said, the guy said, just pray that one. It doesn't matter. Just pray. We need help. And this is what Johnny said. Oh, Lord, for what we are about to receive, make us truly thankful. (laughs) You can be thankful for things that aren't exactly perfect. And we're going to see that in the passage today. All right. So 1 Timothy chapter 2, let's read verse 1. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and all who are in authority. And so here we've got this in verse 1. In fact, I I want you to know, we didn't read the whole passage, but I want you to just kind of glance your eyes really quickly down verse 1 through verse 6, and I want you to notice the word all, A-L-L. And I want you to notice all the times that all is used. It's six times in six verses. It's a very all-encompassing type of word. It it, it really communicates this idea that there's no exceptions. And so the exhortation is this. All men must be prayed for, interceded for, or given thanks for. All men, really. That's that's really the question as I was studying this. Really, all men start kind of racking my brain. And even as we read that, I would almost venture to say somebody just popped into your mind. Because this is a truth that's hard to swallow. In fact, everything in you right now is fighting or, or justifying potentially a reason why this person in your life does not fit in this category. You, you have to be the exception. In fact, if you knew this person, if you knew what they'd done to me, you would not tell me to be thankful. I, I have those people. 
I'm sure you do, or some of you do, at least. And so what do we do on this? Well, I, I will say this on a, on a sympathetic level, from a human level, I get it. I get how you're feeling. I get how I'm feeling. It's tough when you think about that person or those people. But you know, we don't want to live on a human level. We want to live on a higher plane than that. We want to function in life from a divine perspective. We want to trust God's wisdom and we want to trust God's processes because we are firmly convinced that that will always be better than doing things the way that we want to do them or the way that seems best to us. You know, that, that was the comment in the book of Judges, right? The Israelites did what was right in their own eyes and that was not a compliment. <laughs> that was a negative comment. They shouldn't have been living like that way. And so when we come to the scriptures and we see something that seems to really pierce against, makes it really tough, rubs us the wrong way, we need to back up and say, you know what? I'm taking the word of God over myself. I'm going to abandon my thinking for the thinking of the word of God. I don't understand how this is going to work out, but you know what? I'm team word of God. I'm team Jesus. I kind of think that what he has to say is important and is valuable. And so this is what Paul says. And so this is the desired posture of every local assembly. In fact, um, and it's the desired posture of every individual believer. This context, the context of 1 Timothy 2 is really, how how do you publicly worship in the church? That's really the context. So it's this group posture that we're to take in our local church, and then it's to spill out or rub out, if you will, on individual believers individually. And so it's this, this mindset of attitude and gratitude that needs to kind of be communicated, rubbed off on everybody. And, and again, we're human. This is why we need to encourage one another to take this mindset because the natural mindset is to not take this mindset and then to feel justified in not taking this mindset. And what we're going to see is that the reason Paul gives this exhortation is there are benefits to you by buying into this. And you're going to miss out on them if you don't. That's kind of where we're going to go here in terms of the reasons. In fact, he, he goes on to mention in the beginning part of verse 2, which I find interesting, for kings and all who are in authority. Now, why do you think Paul mentions or singles these guys out specifically? And I think, I think you know. It's, that's usually where the buck stops. In fact, generally speaking, the leaders are targets of ungratefulness. For whatever reason, if you, you think through your life, something bad is going on in your class at school, whose fault is it? Oh, it's the teacher. <laughs> it's the principal. I, I used to bring those stories home all the time. Yeah, this teacher just doesn't like me. That's, that's why I'm failing the class. And my mom was smart enough to say, well, did you study for that test? Well, that's not the point, mom. You know, it's like... <laughs> This teacher just doesn't like me. It's right. We have this, this way of being ungrateful for people in authority. Who do you blame if someone, something's wrong at work? You, you blame the boss man, right? You blame the supervisor, whoever is in charge. Who do you blame when something's wrong at church? And typically, it's the leaders of the church. Typically, the leaders are the brunt of ungrateful thinking. That's just the nature of it. And so I think that's why Paul calls this out. And so here's this exhortation, not only just leaders, but notice the, the last phrase in verse one, it's for all men, all men were to be praying for and to be thankful for. And now Paul's going to tell us why. In fact, just to, because it's an abbreviated, this message, abbreviated message this morning, we're going to look at two reasons very quickly. First reason why Paul's going to say is found in verse 2b, you'll benefit from it. How about that for a motivation? You do something God's way, you're going to receive the benefit of it. 
I'm in, right? I, said, I mean, most of us, we, 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 we get really focused on the two-foot circle we draw around our own feet. So this should actually really appeal uh, to many of us that we can actually benefit from taking this mindset. In fact, look at the end of verse two. Well, we'll read verse two. For kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. You see this mindset of prayer and thanksgiving for all men actually accomplishes things. First thing it accomplishes is it can lead to a quiet life. Now, that's kind of an interesting phrase. We don't generally talk like that. But this word quiet means the absence of outward disturbances. In other words, you can live a life where there's not a lot of outward turmoil coming this way. We might say it this way, less drama is going to follow you around. And let's be honest, and, and, and this isn't a criticism of our church. It's just a criticism of, of our society. We got a bunch of drama queens in our midst. We, we might even be one of those drama queens or kings, <laughs> depending on who you are. Where, where drama seems to follow you around, part of the reason is when you start to look at it, great, ungratefulness carries with it a host of negative character qualities, such as gossip. Can gossip cause external drama? If you're ungrateful for someone, you're expressing it to others? Of course. Uh, these things kind of go hand in hand. Backbiting, stealing. You know, if I'm ungrateful for my boss, then I'm going to say, well, he ain't going to miss this. I mean, he hasn't even paid me a bonus. I'm just taking that. You know, and we have this, this attitude that we're justifying really acts of sin. And quite frankly, it comes to the point where you're so ungrateful for someone, you actually intentionally try to cause harm to them. And you justify it. And so you can see why being grateful and finding ways to be thankful for, for all men could lead to a quiet life. It can reduce some of these things that cause this external drama. It also leads to a peaceable life, which is incredible because that speaks of an inner tranquility. It's, it's an inner peace in spite of life circumstances. Because every time something happens to you, you're not aggressively pointing the finger at somebody else, blaming everybody else. You're actually centered and stabled in trusting in the one who's got it all under control. You've got an inner peace and tranquility when you can see, so to speak, the good in situations. And notice that last, those qualifiers. It's godliness and reverence. And see, here's the problem. When we, be, when we don't buy into what God is saying here and we remain ungrateful and unthankful and we refuse to pray for certain people, here's the problem. And we've, we've heard this before, but I'll say it again because it really illustrates it well. It is like preparing a concoction of poison that you would like for that person to drink and instead you drink it while you're looking at them. You harm yourself. That's what we don't understand. God actually loves you and cares about you. And he may be asking you to do difficult things, but it is for your good because he loves you. And this is one of those things. Because what ends up happening is when people have harmed you in the past, you maintain a spirit of ungratefulness. Guess what? They, re, they continue to harm you in the present. They continue to disrupt your fellowship with God. This whole godliness aspect, they, they wreck that for you because your mind is on them, not on Jesus Christ. Your mind is on the negative and how you want them to get back. Trust me, go read Romans 12. God will take care of you. Vengeance is his. Trust him. Just wait on him. He's going to take care of it. I know it's like someone speeding on the highway. You, you want to see the police officer pull him over. I get it. We want justice, right? But understand that the cosmic police officer is going to get every speeder. Anyone that's ever done something wrong to you, God's going to avenge that. And so we've got to entrust that to him. Don't let that wreck 
your life going forward is kind of the point. He also says reverence. Reverence is an interesting word. It's really, this, is, this was a fun word to look up because the lexicons don't know what to do with this word. It's really like the, the Greek dictionaries. They don't really know what to do with this word. And I, and I liked what one guy said. He said that the word is unique because the meaning of the word stands in between two concepts. And you can understand why they have difficulty with this word. It stands in between the concepts of not caring whether you please anybody and endeavoring at all costs to please everybody. As you can see why they have a hard time defining what this word means. But I think what it means is simply this. You have a heart to please everybody, but when you can't, you're not decimated by it. You've got an inner peace. You've got an inner strength. You've got an inner stability. And so, uh, again, this is what it describes. So when you're bounced around by difficult people, there's still an opportunity within to find something that you can pray for them about or you can be thankful for them. Which, again, I know it's hard truth. I mean, from a human level, I'm just like, man, I'm, I'm aching with you. But we've got to trust God's wisdom in processes in this. Second reason is found here in verses 3 through 4. Let's read it. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so we see these two words, which really just describe something that God values and, and views as pleasing to him. I would think... Um, Generically, we could ask the question, do you want God to be pleased with you? Do you want to please God with your life? And I think mo- most of us, I mean, would raise our hand. Yeah, that's what we want. Here, here's a tried and true way to do it. This, what, this idea of praying for others and being thankful for others, all men, is actually good and acceptable in the sight of God. This pleases him. This warms his heart, if you will. And so it appears that these prayers, again, uh, which is interesting, they also contribute to the evangelization of all men. Did you kind of pick up that connection in verse 4? He says it's good and acceptable to him to, in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. If your uh, intentional mindset to be thankful for all men and to pray for all men would lead to someone trusting in Christ and having eternal life, would you do it? Is it worth it? I think... That is worth it in and of itself. I mean, you imagine the day that you enter heaven and because you just took these verses to heart, there's a person that runs up to you and says, you're the reason that I'm here. You're the reason that I heard the gospel. And you're thinking to yourself, I, what did I do? I don't even know you. And it's through this process that God has designed here in 1 Timothy 2 that they heard the gospel. Because you were grateful, you expressed thankfulness Somehow God used that to then open up the door of evangelism to him. It will be worth it. That's what we need to keep reminding ourselves. And so as we conclude this morning, just uh, the following points, the exhortation, pray and be thankful for all men. First reason, you benefit from it. It will benefit you spiritually. Second reason, God is pleased. And, And so the question for you this morning as we close, who is that person? Who are those people that, are, that have come to mind during this message? I just encourage you, just intentionally take the opportunity to try to find something to give thanks for them about because it will benefit you and it will please and, and just bless the heart of God. And that's really, I think, the point of the picture. This is a, an old toy. Does anyone remember the Wooly Willy? I, I knew we would, right? This is... This was hours of fun on car trips as a kid, right? But you know, if you lost the stick, I don't know what the stick was made. I mean, I guess it was a magnet, but I don't know. If you lost the stick, it didn't work with your finger. 
There, there was no substitute to move the hair, the iron, little iron pieces around to give him different hair. Uh, if you haven't seen this toy, you should get one of these toys. They're kind of fun. Um, but the point is this. God has given you a stick where you can look at something and you can recognize the good. There's opportunities to praise him. There's opportunities to thank him. You just need the right lens to look through. And this, 1 Timothy 2, I believe, gives us that. Let's close there with a word of prayer, and we'll invite the worship team back up. Lord, I do thank you for everything. I I thank you for you. I thank you for what you accomplished for us on the cross. I I thank you for these these nuggets of truth that you've got uh, all throughout your word. I thank you that you care about us. You want our good. Lord, that we can trust you, even in light of truth, sometimes it's difficult because we understand and believe that you are good, you want our good, you desire our benefit, and we can just entrust our life to do things the way that you've instructed us to. May you just encourage each one here this morning. If there's anyone here, Lord, that doesn't know you, that doesn't know whether or not they'd go to heaven when they die, we pray that they would see in Jesus Christ and his death for them the Savior, the substitute, the one who died in their place so that they would not have to face that death penalty and that we are saved by your grace. We're given something that we don't deserve on the basis of the finished work of Jesus. And may they put their faith in you alone. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.